Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 186 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is Justin, the Professor Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, uh, it's been a week of baseball. It's been two uh, days of games. <laughs> yeah, what? It feels like longer. Yeah, it does. Um, okay, yeah, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than the Blue Jays. Um, I'll tell you that much, because I haven't. I, ha- I haven't personally lost to the Yankees this week, so that automatically makes it means I'm doing better. Does it? Yeah. I'm. I am undefeated against the New York Yankees in my life. No, but because the game still happened to you, like you still were forced to watch it. That's true. But I, I personally am undefeated because I have not ever played against them personally. So. Oh, all right. The uh, have never beat me. And that's what I'm choosing to believe. <laughs> yeah, let's... <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> an interesting fact came up on Twitter. If you follow us uh, at BFMD Podcast. Um, actually, I was the one who tweeted it out to... Uh, at Baseball4Brains, our friend Chris Henderson... Um, talking about how the Jays are 17 and 15 and yeah, big sad energy. They're struggling. Uh, it's not, not ideal. It's not what you want. Uh, what other anecdotal bullshit can we pull out of this? Uh, we were actually, fun fact, the Toronto Blue Jays in 2018 were, uh, 20 and 17, 37 games into the season. So <laughs> we could we could go the that that direction where right. we finish seventy three and eighty nine or uh, I don't know if you old heads who listen to the show know this but the nineteen ninety three Toronto Blue Jays were sixteen and seventeen thirty three games into the season and they went on to win the World Series so the record could be better but it also could be worse and it really doesn't fucking matter right now because do you want to know the good news Patrick. The Blue Jays have played the Yankees nine times in their first 32 games. Yeah. Which means they only play them nine times more in the next 130. Oh, what's our record in those nine games? Uh, I'm not doing this as a gotcha. I think it's, it's really not a gotcha. I think it's three, four, four wins and five losses. Cause they, Are you sure it's that good? Cause oh, I'm wait, maybe, sure. maybe not. No, 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 never mind. They're three, one, two, th- one, two, three, and six, I think. Yes, three yeah, and six. Three and it's six. three and six. So we're eight and eight in division play so far. I'll yeah. take that. They're three That's and six terrible. against the Yankees, and they only put them nine times in the next 130 games. Once in June, once in August, and once in September. So. Somebody, somebody also said, I, I don't know. I think I saw this on Reddit, and it was an interesting point. Every team in baseball is going to win 54 games unless you're the Reds, and every team's going to lose 54 games. So, really, the only thing that matters is what you do in the remaining 54 games. That's true. And I thought that was really interesting. So, like, yeah, that's, are we going to are we gonna lose 54 games this year? Yes. Are we yes. going to win 54 games this year? Yes. yes. So what happens in the remaining 54 games? Well, obviously, you don't want to go 500. You want to win at least 30 of them, probably. you got to win 30 out of... The final fifty-four games. If you're floating around five, I guess that would only put you at eighty-four times. wins, though. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> the sky is not falling. No, Our it's... record against the AL West is eight and four. There are one hundred and thirty games left. 
people. Yeah, like what? Like we could go on a ten-game winning streak yeah. three times during the season, and then yes. all of a sudden we're all laughing. Ha ha ha! So remember the time where we were crying about the offense? Yeah. So the bad news is that the Jays lost two games to the Yankees. That is bad news. The good news is Teoscar Hernandez is back, as he was the last time we recorded. But that lineup is getting further lengthened. We've got some guys on the mend. Denny Jansen is in Dunedin, rehabbing with the Blue Jays. And Kevin Biggio is in Buffalo, rehabbing with the Bisons. Hyunjin <laughs> Ryu is scheduled to start on Saturday, Patrick. So in a week, a week from now, maybe even after this weekend, the Blue Jays could be at opening day health again. They could be at full health. The boys. So. Back. That's that's a thing. Um, it's also worth saying that if we sweep this this series against the Rays, all of a sudden, guess what? We're five games above five hundred. Yeah, I mean, if you take two to three or one to two, it's not the end of the world. But I mean, yeah. So like, the guys are coming back. Biggio's played in two games for Buffalo. He's two for five so far. Um, I'm just trying to pull up Danny's stats real quick here too, just to get those. From the game he played with the Needham yesterday, so get bear with me for a moment. While you do that, I, I'm going to say this too. If you like what we do, you can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Website is bfmdpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Folks out there, uh, I know times are tough. Thanks for listening, though. We're going to keep doing this. And uh, look, this team's going to be fine. Just It's all right. Yes. Light levels of concern. It is all right. Uh, Danny Jansen through six at bats has two hits, a double, and has scored three runs. So, and that's he's played in two games so far. Dunedin's playing right now, actually, as well too. So, yeah, Danny Jansen is rehabbing in Dunedin. I would imagine that he may just jump straight from there back to the bigs. I don't see why they would put him to Buffalo, but they might move him to Buffalo for a couple games. Who knows? Um, can I ask you a serious question about Danny Jansen? You can. Do you think that he will continue to slash 571 no. <laughs> and a 2.196 OPS for the remainder of the year? Because I think it's possible. I think it's sustainable. It's not impossible, Patrick, but there is a, like, think of the most um, not valuable cryptocurrency you can think of and how far away it is from being a penny. That's, like, the percent chance of Danny Jansen, like continuing to okay but i picked dogecoin and that uh oh. anyway yeah uh garbage anyway um, uh yeah oh johnson's over one tonight so he's two for seven so far in, in his rehab but we don't care Never. about that really as long as he comes back healthy yeah we just need to uh, go over 180 yes any 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 time that we can not have tyler heineman or zach collins in our lineup is a good day for blue jays baseball and we'll talk about lineup configurations towards the end of the show. Spoiler alert. Bit of a bit of a drive-by on Tyler Heineman there. He's hitting 267. Yeah, but in like 20 at-bats maybe. So we don't it's better to... than Bradley Zimmer's 0.73 yes. in 40 at-bats. Yes, Bradley Zimmer is nearing the end of his life because Kevin Biggio will displace him from the roster. Uh, they may send Vinny Capra down. But like, I just don't understand why they can justify keeping five outfielders on this roster well especially when two of them can't hit the baseball 
or aren't hitting the baseball. Aren't, yeah. I, I would say, say Rymel Tapia can, and we can get into the stat cast <laughs> if you want. He just doesn't want to. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, he's just not getting the hits right now. The expected batting average is 276, which is his career average. So, it's just a... Uh, big, sad energy. Big, sad, talk, 260 batting. So. <laughs> can we talk about... I know, like, oh, this is so stupid. Let's talk about uh, the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. The Jordan Romano debacle? No. Oh. Yes. 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 Oh, my God. Actually, both of these games are terrible to talk about. They are. They both featured late-inning big oofs by the Blue Jays. Uh, Should we talk about the umpires, too? Man, we can, but, like, what good is it going to do, you know? It doesn't. Like it I've I've bitched mad. and moaned about it off mic and to my friends, to my fellow umpires, and like we're all just like when you, you know it's bad when the umpires are turning on the umpires because <laughs> like generally we're like like our group our umpire group chat here in Saskatoon is like pretty defensive of love umpires and we can be like well here's what they might have saw and like we'll try and find a reason for why they called something that way but like the ejections. The not throwing out whoever buzzed Bose Tower in that game. Um, I can't remember who it was at this point now. Castro, maybe? Why is it guy? I don't remember who it was. Chad Green, whoever else pitched in that game. But they didn't throw that guy out after they'd already tossed Garcia. And I don't think that they warned the dugouts after they tossed Garcia, which was a weird move. I didn't see that on the broadcast. Them what actually did Charlie warning. do? Well, Charlie didn't do anything. So he got booted for nothing. Uh, he he got booted probably for being like, well, you he probably literally said something along the lines of, oh, you aren't going to toss him like you tossed my guy? Like something like that. And that umpire, whoever he was at this point, uh, where's his name? Lance Barrett. Uh, he wasn't having it. He was having a bad game. Boom, gotcha. Boom, gotcha, he said, yeah. Every, everybody's seen that gif at this point. Yeah, so it's just... Yeah, so like Alfonso Marquez is the crew chief. He's the one who actually made the decision. He's the he's the ejector of record of uh, Garcia because he's the one who actually did the toss, the tossing, yeah. and he also tossed Pete Walker for defending his pitcher as he should have, and then Lance Barrett ejected Charlie Montoyo in the seventh because, um, the wise guy or Castro, whoever was in the, the game at the time, buzzed Bo's face and didn't get tossed. So, yeah. Yep. I'm surprised they didn't toss any of the Jays who scored runs in the eighth <laughs> before they touched home plate. Yeah, they just stopped them on the halfway up the third baseline. Just said, like, no, 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 you're done. You're done. Get out of the, yeah. you're out of the game. Like, they probably they call them out of the baseline or something stupid. It wasn't even, like, if you look at the umpire scorecard, it doesn't tell the whole story. Because the, the game others, otherwise, like, the calls, it was like 86% of... Uh, true strikes were called balls, which is not great. We're called strikes. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, yeah. It should be a hundred percent, and it should be robots. Yeah. But we don't have that. We have inherently flawed we have people Lance making <laughs> making decisions. This is the most I've I've ever noticed in baseball, and I don't know if it's yeah. the umpire scorecard or that's what. that's what I was talking about with one of my coworkers today, Patrick. I said, like, do you think because of the fact that we get these umpire audit cards we have all the stat cast data like we can see in real time if you're watching the stat cast game feed on baseball savant you can see exactly where every pitch is and what it was called 
so right away you just have like even th those those strike zones that are on like the the white rectangles on the broadcast those aren't 100 accurate i wouldn't believe a word those are saying but the stat cast data is mlb's strike zone like it's the strikes in the mlb has set because baseball savant is it's baseball savant dot mlb dot com it's literally mlb major league baseball stat cast so this is their strike zone and pitches that are on there that are being called strikes that are not close those are the ones that we should really be mad about that sportsnet strike zone wouldn't believe it it's a little off all the time but it's close don't get me wrong but there yeah. are there are some there is some wiggle room on either side depending on one game it might be the outside it just depends on the angle of their camera and how they configure that thing it's not perfect yeah, if you want to be mad though um, about this game, like you can, we can be mad at Jordan Romano, sure. Um, but yeah, the Jays fastball. also the, the Jays also struck out fifteen times. Yeah. So and yeah, only eight of those were to Luis Severino. Four of them were against M Miguel Castro, who those were his four outs. Yeah, they were all strikeouts. So like, yeah. you can you go ahead and be mad at Jordan Romano for giving up a. A, a big old monster dong to, to lose the game. <laughs> it's Aaron fucking Judge. It's not a surprise. And when you don't throw fastballs, that's what's going to happen. Throw, yeah, he should have just thrown his heater low uh, over and over and over and over again. It would have been better off as opposed mm -hmm. to hanging a slider that could get mashed. Uh, he learned his lesson, Romano. Um, trust your fastball. It's it's one game, whatever. It's 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 this one hurts to lose. But it doesn't automatically mean that we're not going to make the playoffs or whatever. It's just, it's bragging rights. It's bragging rights for the Yankees. Good for them. Congratulations. Yeah. Let's move on to the next game. Yeah. Next game was no different. It was another late innings oofed up by the Blue Jays. I mean, I call it late innings, but it was really the sixth. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the fourth inning, Glaber Torres hits a, a front row Mickey Mouse clubhouse home run off of Barrios that gets caught in 24 of 30 Major League Baseball stadiums because Teoscar Hernandez was right there. And yeah. then in the sixth, they scratched over a couple more runs. And yeah, Barrios has five earned runs charged to him. I thought he pitched better in this game than he had in, in, in the previous games when he had kind of escaped like the game in Boston that he didn't pitch that well. The game in Cleveland last week was raining. I'm not going to put too much on him for that one but this game i thought he actually pitched better he only walked one batter which was good to see a couple of bloop hits led to that home run yeah can't really fault him for those they i think the expected batting average on both of those previous two hits was below 200 so they were just like seeing eye hits those happen and then you get the short porch front row home run eh, which doesn't help you but again patrick blue jays 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees were games. two for five. Like it's, it's not rocket science why they're losing. They only struck out seven times in this one. Nobody had more than one strikeout. There was no player in double digits or and uh, with more than one. And like two Bo, walks, yeah, two Bo walks, had two seven. hits. The Yankees only had one walk. It's like it was it was a game that was pretty well pitched for the most part. But just the fact that the Jays were getting runners into scoring position and not doing anything like they had the bases loaded with nobody or with was it nobody out nobody out in the first no, inning zero outs yeah Teoscar grounds it to the Hernandez. force out 
and then a couple of K's after that. And then, something. yeah, Guriel, K, Kirk. Um... Kirk popped up or something, I think, on the yeah, first it was, pitch. It sucked. It was just, it was yeah, it's... Cuckoo energy. Um, I don't have the thread in front of me, but Chris Black at Down to Black on Twitter did a really nice thread, if you want to look it up, those of you listening, um, where he talked about how the Blue Jays as a team and individually are are expanding their zones with runners in scoring position especially and overall but he talked about the chase rates being higher the um contact rates being lower with runners in scoring position so it seems like the hitters they're just they know what's what the team is struggling and they're trying to do too much yeah and i'm not a hitting coach but like one of the oldest baseball sayings is like when you get into that batter's box you look for one pitch in one spot and if you get it you swing if you're looking for a fastball and you can see the spin as a breaking ball, why are you even gonna why are you gonna chase it? If it's if it's 0 and 0 or 0 and 1, you can afford to take that pitch. You'd live to die another day. You know what I mean? But like the fact that these guys are they're swinging at these changeups and these and these breaking balls that are going away or down and just topping them straight into the ground and hitting these double plays or or they're swinging at these uh, balls inside and popping them up. They're just they're not being selective. I don't know. I don't know why, because <laughs> last year they it's were. Actually, it's actually better to stand up there and take every pitch than it is for you to swing at something out of the zone. Yeah. And pop it up into the infield, or yeah. put it on the ground for a DP. Yes, I would Either. rather see a guy strike out looking on a three-two pitch yep, than to absolutely. see a guy strike out on three pitches swinging. You know what I mean? They could have knocked Jameson Tayon out of this game before the it, fourth inning. They could have knocked him and, out in the first inning if they had gotten to him. Like if they if Teoscar there hits a double and clears the bases, that's three runs on him right away. They had, they had him up to thirty pitches in the first inning and they got one run out of it. That's that's the thing is like it's so crazy to me how, uh, like it's so obvious to us watching the game. Right, the bases are loaded. Nobody's yeah. out. The pitcher is struggling to hit the zone. Yeah, and and you and you take know, like take them. And you and you and we all know as as fans that the team knows the same thing too. They're just so amped up on trying to do something right now that it's it's just in the moment they are not. They're they're over. Like they're gripping the steering wheel too tight. You know. Yeah. It's. Yeah, they're grandma white knuckling on the freeway. It's just like. It's bad. They're not gonna, yeah. They're <laughs> not gonna get it done if they if they continue to grip the bat. Yeah. Tight. Everybody wants to be the hero on this team because they yeah. all care so much about winning. Yes, which is great. But they're the patience just is not there. Yeah, and we have we have not seen them string together more than three hits in a row. I don't think this whole season. It's been pretty bad. Yeah. But enough beating on them. Look, yeah. they're going to sort it out. There's a lot... Like, we're missing... Uh, until Tasker came back, we were missing uh, our silver slugger cleanup hitter. Yeah. Granted, he hasn't been great since he's returned, but give him a week. He was yeah, he struggled when he came back from COVID. He's got too. some time. He's, he's got some timing to sort out. It's There's a difference between playing three or four games in, in A-ball, <laughs> for low A-ball, versus playing against big league pitchers. So Yeah. He'll be fine, um, yeah. and then eventually we'll get Danny Jansen back, and hopefully Hwanjin Ryu is. Oh, and hopefully a rebuilt Kevin Biggio too, because that would help with uh, some hopefully on base skills. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, okay, Teoscar's in the lineup, which means we're not using yeah. a Ramiel Tapia. Ramiel Tapia's on base percentage is 230 because he's taken, I think, uh, yeah. two walks this whole season. Because so. they're, they're, every single one of them, from top to bottom in this lineup, wants to be the hero mm-hmm. and has just abandoned patience. Even yeah. Vladdy, Vladdy's batting average is like 30 points lower. <laughs> like, it's... It's just he's it's he's still hitting in the two eighties, which I mean, we say it's low, but is it really that low? <laughs> it's it's not, but Vladdy, Vladdy has the ability to hit like in the the mid three hundred. He hit like what like three oh five last year, I think, by the end of the season. So. Yeah, he'll he'll be fine though. He'll regress. Yeah, he'll, there, we'll see positive regression. Bo is 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 Bo is coming on. He's coming on his last fifteen games. He's hitting close to three hundred. Um, but we'll talk about that shortly. Let's walk away from these Yankee games yeah. knowing that they were all close and that while, yeah, their losses, yes, Yankee fans are going to rub it in our faces, let them. Yeah. Let them. Sure. Yeah, they beat us last year to get into the playoffs. What'd they do in the playoffs? Just curious. <laughs> Lost in the one game playoff. Yeah, they did. So they won <laughs> the same number of playoff games we did. So yeah. they can um, don't just mute them. Don't listen yeah. to them. It doesn't matter. Don't let them get under your skin. It's really not that important. Enjoy baseball. It's yes. there for us to enjoy, not to be stressed out about and shit our pants every time the team loses. Yeah, so this weekend is Tampa Bay for the first time. We haven't I'm seen excited. Yet. Yeah, get to go to the, the shithole that is Tropicana Field. All right. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully not have any balls off the wrong ring of the catwalk, which results in an out. But <laughs> we'll... Uh, yeah. We'll see the Rays, who are currently 19 and 13, so they're actually two games up on the Blue Jays right now in the division. Um, they also have a negative run differential, by the way. They're negative three. The Jays are negative 13, so they aren't firing on all cylinders either. Um, they're nine and seven at home. The Jays are seven and nine on the road. Whatever you want to make of that. Uh, tomorrow night's game is at 7:10 Eastern time. Kevin Gossman goes against Drew Rasmussen. We all know the kind of start that Gossman's off to. Uh, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Again, like he was last year, he's yeah. one of like I think he's he's one of I think three pitchers that have a whiff rate, a called strike plus whiff rate over forty percent on three different pitches. Yeah. How how many wild card <laughs> spots are there now? Uh, there are three. Uh, there are three division winners and three wild cards. Okay, so. Here's something. This is stupid. I think. But you know who the third wild card team is right now? The Blue Jays, right? It's the fucking Blue Jays. Yeah. Why are we concerned? This is so stupid. Yeah, okay. it's it's not worth thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. Everybody, we're in. We're in a wild card spot. Everybody yeah. just. Um. Tell so me yeah. About Drew Rasmussen. I don't know anything about him, and I know we brought him up. On yeah. The podcast so last year. But... Yeah, he's a guy who he'll strike out about a batter per inning. He's at eight point three this year, case per nine. He'll walk about two batters per nine. He doesn't give a ton of home runs. He's averaging, he's got a .64 home run per nine rate right now. Um, the XFIP is 331. His, his ERA sits at 289. So he's doing quite well. Uh, Win-loss, he's 3-1. He's, he's, uh, and one. He started six games. He's pitched 28 innings. So he's averaging just under five innings a start as of right now. He's not, not going to go super deep in the games. He's pitched beyond five innings once. His last three starts... He's only given up two total earned runs, one to Seattle, one to Oakland, and he shut out Seattle through six in the game before that. So he's like he's he's doing really well right now. He's having a good year. 
it gets you about 50% ground balls as well too. So, um, this is going to be, that's going to be a really good game Friday night. It should be fun. Anytime Gosman goes to the mound, you, you, you know, he's probably going to be pretty good. And, and the Rays are obviously the Rays. We've, we all know what they can do. We see them 18 times a season until next year when we won't anymore. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Saturday's game is the one that I'm really interested in, Patrick. And that's because Hunjin Ryu is supposed to be back. It's a he... night game, too. Saturday night game. That's yeah, it's, it's strange. It's a Saturday afternoon, 6.10 Eastern time. Or, I guess, Saturday night and for you. <laughs> I always think of that as an afternoon game for me because I'm two hours behind that. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be Ryan Yarbrough, who's a lefty. Um, he's off to a shaky start. He's only, he's only pitched in two games. He got a late start. I think he was, he was injured with something. Um, his first game was not good. He only lasted two and a third. He gave up five runs, but his second game against Seattle, he went five shutout innings, only gave up four hits and one walk and struck out four. So his second start was much better than his first and Seattle's a better team than Oakland. So take that take with that what you will as well too um career uh, i'm trying to figure this out but what's his career walks to hits or what's his career his bv's per nine this year is really bad it's two it's two for his career yeah he's he's two starts in like he's he's seven innings in this year right so and his his first start he walked uh he walked three and two innings and his second start he walked one in five so He's he's kind of got back to himself in his second start. So this we'll we'll see what he's got, but he's he's not going to strike out a ton of guys. Like he's around seven for his career. He'll give up more than one home run per nine. So that's something to watch for in that game. And he's a fly ball pitcher. Like his career number is thirty nine percent ground ball rate. So there yeah. will be balls in the air. And... If I remember correctly, I, because I'm not on his savant page right now, but if I recall, he doesn't really have like uh what's the what am i looking for i he has a lot of weird pitches like it's a lot of off speed yeah he throws he's a very strange pitcher and in a yeah. good way in my opinion yeah he doesn't yeah. throw hard like his fastball this his first his this year is about 86 and a half for his four seamer yeah and he's got a cutter that he throws about 83 a changeup at 79 then he's got a slider at 72 so he's a four pitch guy He's got the cutter and the, and the slider that move away from righties and the changer that moves in, and then obviously the straight fastball. So, yeah, um, I just remember that. I remember moved, sorry, he's a lefty, year. so they've actually moved towards righties, those slider and the, and the cutter. My, my Do you remember last year when there was like that uh, the video that went viral about I was somebody, I don't remember who it was, probably fucking Goose Gossage or something, <laughs> bitching about uh ryan yarborough and his stuff and how it's like hit the oh right it's all over the place and it's yeah like... it's crazy to me that he's six five and only throws like 88 <laughs> you think a guy who's a bit bigger would have a, a bit more velocity yeah he throws a curve that's slow as hell he throws a change up that's relatively slow compared to other pitchers yeah he, he throws a slow cutter and he throws like a, a he's, he's a a definite pitch to contact guy, right? He's a pitch to contact. He's very frustrating. He's basically um, basically think Mark Burley in his later years, right? Like, yeah, big lefty doesn't throw high velo, um, but does a really good job. He doesn't give up a lot of hard hit, a lot of hard hits. Like last year, his hard hit percentage was in the top two percent of the league, only twenty two twenty eight point two. 
Yeah. The cutter... I think his best pitch is probably his changeup. Um, his curveball so far this year, based on the advanced stats, seems to be hanging in the meatball zone, and I don't. That's not ideal. His sinker, I don't understand. If a sinker, why is so many? It seems like a sinker is sitting up too. I mean, it's it, been I seven think, innings. <laughs> yeah, it's not enough. I know it's not enough. It's, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I'm very interested to see how he pitches. And obviously, yeah. this is the return for Ryu. Two lefties, two guys that don't really throw hard. Yeah, it'll be a very um, similar matchup, except Ryu is more of a ground ball pitcher than Yarbrough. Yes. So. I, I think Yarbrough is the type of guy where it's kind of like the old knuckleballers. You remember what's his name in Boston? Yeah. Where when he was on. Tim Wakefield. Tim Wake, when Tim Wakefield was on, he was so unbelievably frustrating yeah. to, uh, to hit against. Uh, and it, it was frustrating to watch too because you feel like you're like you're like I could hit that, but the, the knuckleball is so frustrating because it's so yeah. unpredictable. But Ryan Yarborough is the kind of guy who can paint the zone wherever he wants. Um, based on the limited data, he's not pitching great so far this year, and this could be a really interesting matchup of a returning pitcher from an injury slash struggling versus a guy who was injured and also struggling. So it's kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah. it's kind of a wash. So that uh, game is going to be interesting. We'll see how Ryu pitches after his time on the IL with the forearm tightness. Um, hopefully ground balls, <laughs> ground balls and no walks would be ideal. Uh, yeah. Sunday is interesting too, because it's Alec Manoa taking the bump. Coming off of a shakier start for him, really went five innings against Cleveland. He was winning when he left, but the Blue Jays blew that one late. Um, he's up against Kluber, and Kluber just got shelled. He was pitching in the game that Reed Detmers threw the no-hitter for the Angels. By the way, congrats to Reed Detmers. It was like his seventh career big league start, and he threw a no-no. Um, but he Kluber gave up eight runs in three innings there on 11 hits. Two of them were home runs, one to Mike Trout. <laughs> Mike Trout also hit a bomb off of Phillips, Brett Phillips, when he came into pitch as a position player in that game. That was hilarious. Is he throwing like 40 or something? Yeah, like he's just lobbing balls in there, and Trout takes him to the rock pile in center field at Angel Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Isn't uh, it harder to take a to go yard daddy with... Uh, with I mean, think of slow pitch, though, right? Like, you can... I mean, that's metal bats, but that's a big... like a, That's a softball, and you can just hit dingers on slow lobs. I think if you're a good enough hitter, you can hit anything over the, over the ball, over the fence. Well, if you're Mike Trout, you're a generational It's hitter, easier to square up a slow moving ball, probably. Yeah. I'm a hard thinking like ball. in terms of hard exit moving. velocity. Yeah. EVs, like you're probably going to be better on a hard pitch, but if you, if you square it up, yeah, if you square it up for sure. There's so yeah, physics. Kluber's Kluber got absolutely railed in that game, but the game before he went six innings of shutout baseball against the athletics um so that so i mean he he's coming he's kind of a little bit of a loose cannon in the season but uh yeah we, we all know about kluber we've seen him for years with cleveland with the uh with the yankees for the last couple seasons so we know what he's going to be about he's kind of just a junkie righty at this point in his career he's a ball player yeah. the jays have had some success against him he's 36 now he gets ground balls 40 44 percent of the time for his career give up about a home run per nine He'll still strike out about eight batters per nine innings, and he's walking around around two. So he's he's a contact pitcher again, just like everyone else. The Rays, those Rays are throwing at the Jays this this series. They're not going to see a lot of velo in this one, Patrick. So it's going to be interesting to see how the 
batters adjust to it. Like Kluber's throwing about 91 on his fastball. And that's the hardest pitch thing that the Jays are going to see. I don't think Rasmussen throws that hard either. I need to check that before I talk out of turn. But um, yeah, no, I just feel like this is going to be an interesting series because obviously we know Gosman can throw 98 if he wants to. His fastball average is just under 96. Manoa's throwing 94, 95 in that range. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Rasmussen does throw 96, so he'll throw heat. So they'll get heat in the first game, and then they're going to just get junk the next two. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to that. But yeah, it's a, it's a definitely some interesting pitching matchups. Look for Manoa to be Manoa. I don't think we have anything else to expect besides him giving us giving the Jays a chance, you know? Yeah. Would you trade a series sweep here for more sports betting ads during the broadcast? <laughs> yeah, because honestly, I, you, there's a there's a mute button on your TV and on your computer or whatever device you're watching on. It's easy to use. You push it once when the commercials start, and you push it once when the game feed comes back. It's it's an it's a revolutionary piece of technology. That's true. Can we talk about the other cool thing that's happening in the series that? is very underrated sure no dan no pat oh yeah that's right yeah i'm really excited that's pretty cool it's it, we're getting the return of the devlin road trip that we used to get like pre-covid where when buck or dan were both doing their summer vacations we would get matt devlin matty d who, if, if you don't know who he is he does all the raptors games for both sportsland and tsn he's done in some I... jays games in the past one of the most passionate sportscasters you'll ever meet. One of the greatest calls uh, in the history of Canadian sports. The Kawhi shot. The, three years ago today. Yeah, Kawhi that's right. Kawhi hit the shot. The shot. That shot changed basketball in Canada forever. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's like, that was the basketball equivalent to the bat flip. I think it's... it's it would have a bigger impact because it led to a championship. It did, man. God damn, I love that team. Yeah, I don't but care. Well, I can do whatever he wants. He can. Yeah, but yeah, we'll get Matty D, and then Joe Siddle's going to be the, uh, the the analyst in the booth because uh, Dan and Tabby are both going to be seeing their their sons graduate from their respective colleges. So congrats to those two on being proud dads and getting to have a dad weekend with the family. That's and so cool. We'll get some Matty D and some Joe Siddle, and Joe Siddle was great when he uh, was in the booth for a couple of games. Does that mean who's going to be in the studio then? Obviously, it'll be Jamie probably. Just on his call own. up ja- Jamie by himself. Yeah, Jamie. When they, when they're on the road, it's usually just Jamie. It, when they were in Cleveland for a couple of games, it was just Jamie as well too. In the booth, uh, Joe was there for a couple as well too. But yeah, Jamie will be able to hold down the fort by himself. We'll probably have. I'm assuming it'll be a rash because a rash was in New York and in Cleveland. So I'm guessing it'll be a rash Madani with uh, Matty D and Joe Siddle. So we'll have that crew, but it'll be, it'll be nice. It'll be nice. It's always fun to get like a different perspective. The Jays, like we're so blessed as Jays fans to have both Dan Schoen and, and Buck Martinez. Hopefully he's doing well in this battle with cancer along with Pat Tabler and guys like Siddle and Jamie Campbell. Like Jamie Campbell used to call Jays games too, right? Like the Jays have had a pretty good history of, of having good 
commentators. <laughs> we have a stacked, an absolutely stacked roster on Sportsnet. Of yeah, credit to Sportsnet for not games. firing all these people. Because they got that Rogers money, right? And they just dumped okay. that money in. I'm so excited. Matty D calling games. It's going to be fun. He... Yeah, I love Matty D. He... Raptor games are so great because him and Jack are just like, they, they just vibe together. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Matty D's go- Matty D's awesome. It'll be fun to see uh, how he uh, how he's talking about the Jays too, because he's he's a fan. So it'll be fun. I'm super excited. I'm excited about this. Yeah, we'll talk about it on Sunday when it wraps up. We'll see. We'll give our we'll give our opinions on how the how the commentating went. But oh, that means I have to unmute then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't mute the game usually. Um, okay. It's just uh, I just mute the commercials because it's. Yeah, we got to move the show it along is a lot. though because um, the Toronto. Um, yeah, the Maple Leafs are trying to clinch Game Six tonight, and as a sad, depressed human, I'm a Leafs fan. That is the prerequisite for being sad and depressed is being a Leafs fan. So it's also a cause of the <laughs> of the this pain. Got, this got dark. <laughs> but, it, let's, let's do our last segment. Yeah, right let's quick. do this last segment. We're, we want to we want to go and be couch managers for a while. We don't typically we don't do a ton of this. No, but obviously that we know the lineup's been struggling with especially with runners in scoring positions so we're gonna give i i saw uh brandon Koo, b Koo on twitter the guy who broke the springer news he kind of did this his his version of this today so i i wanted to do it for us as well too uh but how would you order the blue jays lineup in terms of the batting order if you were the manager patrick marshall let you go first all right so i'm charlie or am yeah. i john schneider have it it has Charlie been tossed, and now it's up to me? Yeah, you're the ben- you're not a bench coach. Or say Charlie's got COVID and he, he can't make the lineup. What would you do? I don't like this scenario already. I like I like Charlie. Okay, well I'm you're like- you're Charlie for a day. Or Charlie right. Charlie gives you a call and he says, Patrick, I need help. What's my lineup today? <laughs> do I get to play the bongos <laughs> in the clubhouse? Yes or no? <laughs> I don't think he plays them in the clubhouse. I think he just does it on his own time. I don't know. Hard to say. But anyway, you get I to know, make the I'm lineup, wasting, Patrick. I'm killing time here. Here it is. Batting leadoff. Uh, I'm leaving George Springer where he is because that's where he's supposed to be and that's where he'll always hit. Yes. Uh, until he starts to see, like, uh, old age regression, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll stay there. And I think we've got him signed all the way up to, what, 33, 34? Uh, we, got his prime, we have his prime. Yeah, years. we've got him for three more years after this because it was a five-year deal. That makes me sad. This man. is year two. Man, time flies. All right, whatever. Six years. Was it six years, 150? Six years, 150. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six years, 150. You made me really sad for a second there, dude. I was like, what are you <laughs> talking so sorry. about? We have him until he's 36. Yeah. And we he's a he's an unrestricted free agent at age 37 at 2027. We have peak prime George Springer, one of the greatest leadoff hitters of all uh, time. In terms of home run uh, hitting of all time. He is tied... Uh, for like fifth who... or something? Yeah, he's tied for fourth. Fifth. And there's only four guys ahead of him. Ian yeah. Kinsler, uh, two, Alfonso Soriano, one guy I can't remember, and then Ricky with 81 home uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So he's on pace to beat So you've that. got Springer leading off, which is which is the correct choice. Yeah. Uh, a batting second, I opted to go for contactability uh, and base path speed with Santiago Espinal. I understand this is a little bit of a controversial choice. However, 
I'm basing this off of Santiago Espinal's performance last year as well as what we've seen so far this year. He has demonstrated he has more power, and he has faced some of the toughest pitching uh, in the American League so far, and he's still hitting 267. So I'm reasonably pleased with his performance so far, and I'd like to see what he could do in this role. I'm not saying Bo is bad. Uh, I'm saying I want to see what Espinal can do right. uh, in that second spot because I don't think it matters as much who hits second as opposed to who hits fifth or sixth. So Vladdy uh, is going to be hitting third, and the reason why is because I think he's our best hitter, and I think that traditionally your best hitter hits third. Um, I think that just speaks for itself. Vladdy has occupied the three spot for several years. Uh, he, he's probably going to stay there. Uh, clean up is Teoscar Hernandez, not a surprise. Again, you could probably make a case that Teoscar Hernandez is... is our best hitter as well. Two-time Silver Slugger. Um, just an outstanding uh, cleanup hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like him there, and I think that he'll end up being a Silver Slugger contender again this year once he gets his feet under him. He had the same issues last year when he came back from COVID. He struggled for a week or two, and then after that, I think he hit like close to 300 the rest of the way. He was fine. I think he finished so, at 298 or something last year, yeah. Yeah, 32 home runs, 116 RBIs, something like that. Uh, I think we'll see the exact same performance out of him. Okay. And he's the kind of guy you want in the cleanup spot. Uh, Batting fifth, I have Alejandro Kirk. The reason why is I think Kirk has tapped into something this year. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, he started slow for sure, but he's he's really come around, especially he's hitting for power again now too. He's hitting for power, but he's also he's very good right now at taking his pitches. Yeah, a lot of other guys aren't doing that. They don't have that that plate discipline down pat. But Alejandro Kirk, uh, in his last fifteen games, is hitting two ninety five OBP of three forty seven. So he's got four walks to five strikeouts. He strikes out less than he less than he walks. Yep. Yeah, and um, the slug is starting to come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his last seven games, he's we're starting to see some extra base power. That's right, uh, as you indicated, and I just think he's he's an everyday. He has to be in the lineup every day. Yes, you got to ride the hot bats. Okay, so that's your fifth spot. Uh, number six, I have Bo Bichette. I'm moving him down in the order because I think it'll be good to take the pressure off of Bo, give him a chance to. Even get though his- he's starting to hit well. Yes, uh, it helps to lengthen. It helps to lengthen the lineup because Bo is almost like a reset uh, in the lineup, and it's kind of it's kind of an interesting position to hit sixth uh, because the average usually is down for the sixth position. But we have such an embarrassment of riches. I think it's a chance for Bo to see more, uh, more pitches from uh, a more tired pitcher. Okay. I think so. It's kind. It's hard for me to explain it, but the idea is that Bo might see slightly less at bats, but I think he's going to end up facing the starting pitcher when they're more fatigued in the game, the second and third time. Okay. Okay. Um, and I just think that's where Bo can really shine as far as uh, clobbering, uh, like attacking the first pitch. I'd like for him to take more pitches because he's shown success. Um, but I like moving him down in the order to give him uh, the opportunity to see more tired pitchers, but also like 
Uh, yep, I think yep. it'll just kind of help him get his groove back. It, uh, number seven, I have Guriel because he's ice cold. He's just not. He's just not seeing the ball well. He goes through these spells sometimes, and then, you know, in July and August, he'll be the best hitter in baseball. He, he's done this <laughs> every year now for like three years. When yeah. he comes back from, he's like reverse re- reverse Randall Grichuk. Yeah, he's he really struggles at the start of the year, but once he gets going and sees more pitches. Uh, he'll bounce back, but Guriel, I think it's seventh is good. It's reflective of of his struggles at the plate right now. Mm-hmm. And if he does start to bounce back, it immediately lengthens the lineup even more. Uh, number eight is Chapman because he is, I would say, by far the biggest disappointment at the plate. He is popping up into the infield a lot uh, when he's not striking out, and the like. He his, he's still getting power hits, and he's. Yeah. He did crank a home run or two here and there, but he's just not – I don't think he's seen the ball well, and I think he's trying too hard. I don't know. I can't get into his head. I can just tell you what I see, which <laughs> yeah. is yeah. he's swinging at stuff low and away almost every time, and they're getting him. And it's – I think it's just one of those things where, like, once it's the slump started, it's just – it's a snowball effect. And uh, I think eight is good for him for now. It gives him a chance to – I don't know, maybe see some more pitches. And then ninth, I've got Jansen Tapia. I don't expect Danny Jansen's going to continue to hit 571 for the whole (laughs) year, but I think he has the ability to turn a lineup over uh, for us. And my, uh, my expectations for him this year is to hit about 240, have an OBP flirting with 400. He has the plate vision to do it, and I just would be really excited to see what he could do at ninth to really sort of turn the line, turn the the order over, right? Get back up to Springer. He's on base. Springer has power. I just think it's a, a really strong move. Yeah. And then of course, if Kirk is catching, Jansen would be DHing, and if Jansen is catching, Kirk is DHing, and I guess Tapia is kind of the extra ninth guy if for right. whatever reason somebody isn't available. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, that's that's good. So um, I have some similarities. Obviously, I have Springer leading off. I also have that Jansen-Tapia combo at the bottom of my order just because I figure, like, hey, Mc- Jansen's not going to be a guy who's probably going to DH a bunch because he's probably going to catch three days a week. Yeah. Three out of five games. So he'll probably get the off days. Or it'll be a late-game pinch hitter. So Tapia's probably going to play in the field that day because Kirk will catch and then somebody like a Springer will get a DH or something, you know? Yeah. Um. But I do have, yeah, I've got Springer leading off. I actually put Vladdy in second here. And my reasons being is there's been a couple of games that the Blue Jays have been close to coming back in games this season. And Vladdy's been left on deck when the final out's been made. And if he's your best hitter, you want him to be up as much as possible. And yeah, over the course of his season, he maybe he gets five extra at-bats for being in the second spot. Maybe it's 20. 20 more Vladi at-bats, to me, is worth more than the same amount of Bo at-bats. Because we already said that he's the best hitter on the team and one of the best hitters on the planet. So I think having Vladi up there in the second spot, I just want to try it. I want Charlie to try it. Um, it's aggressive. I, it's yes, an aggressive it is. You, you, and, and it's, again, like, it doesn't... We've talked about it before. It's, it's really an embarrassment of riches to have Springer, Vladi, Bo, and Teoscar as your top four. You could order two through four anyway, and I would be 
probably happy with it, except for bloody hitting cleanup. I don't want that. I want him up in the first inning, guaranteed. But I have Bo hitting third. I'm not dropping Bo as far down the lineup as you because the whole lengthening the lineup thing, it works great, but only if you're using like your, your secondary talent. I don't want to put one of my superstars down in sixth spot. Bo's got to be top three for me. Mm-hmm. I still have to ask her Hernandez hitting cleanup. I think that is his spot. The only other person I would put there is Bo because Bo did really well there last year. Um, and they had Teoscar hitting, I think, second or fifth. Fifth for a bit because they had Simeon, obviously, playing, hitting second when Springer was healthy. I've got Kirk in my fifth spot, same as you. But I've only got him in, there when he's in the lineup, obviously. If he's not in the lineup, then I'm pushing Espinal up from sixth to fifth. And probably Jansen from ninth to sixth, where I've got Espinal normally. I do have Guriel in seven. Guriel's done the best in his career, hitting either sixth, seventh, or unironically third. But that was in the Blue Jays' shitty years, before twenty, before twenty twenty. Um, so I've got Guriel hitting seventh as well. I do have Chapman hitting eighth, and I agree with you. He has been a mega disappointment in terms of the whole batter ball profile and just how he's not getting uh, um, on top of anything. Everything is up. He's underneath of everything. So I, I do have yeah. my lineup very similar to you. That just it's kind of the guts that are a little bit different. Is I, I don't have Espinal. I basically reversed Espinal and Bo essentially. I don't think Espinal has the power to hit ahead of a Vladdy or yeah. behind a Springer. That's my only argument. I, I Espinal's been great, and right now for a couple of games, sure, put him in second. See how see how it shakes up the team. But. Overall, I think uh, I think the Vladi and Bo two three is is good no matter, no matter which way you put it. I think uh, because Bo is hot right now, I would maybe do the Springer Espinal Vladi Teos or Vladi Bo and put Teoscar down to fifth and give Espinal a role in that in that second spot just to keep Vladi third and put Bo in the cleanup because those four hitters Springer Vladi Bo and Espinal are hitting well right now. And so is Kirk's. Maybe even shift Kirk to fifth and put Teoscar to sixth until he heats up in like three, four games, hopefully. It's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches yes. right now as far as that top five because Espinal, it, like we have his slug has improved dramatically, yeah. Uh, since the start of the year, like his slug right now in his last seven games is five forty five. So like he's getting the extra base hits, but it's just not. It's not enough to justify the two. Yeah, spot right it's up forty one points over last year. His slug. So yeah, but like the average is down fifty points. Yeah, but it's it's early. <laughs> it is early. I I am not like realistically. I don't think Espinal ever hits second. But... Think of it this way, Patrick. Espinal has about he's he's getting close to half as many play appearances as he had last year. If he plays in every game this weekend, he'll be at half as many play appearances as he had all of last year. And he was worth just under two Fangraphs WAR last year, one point nine. He's already at one point two this year. So he's if that were to double, to the, he's almost essential to the lineup. There. Yeah, and and they talked about that on the broadcast, of, like this week, how he's worked his way from complimentary piece to undisputed everyday player. And he has, like, I I know I was more. I'm I'm a Kevin Biggio fanboy. <laughs> I think he still has a place on this roster. But Espinal is the second baseman on this team, and he should be in the lineup every day especially against lefties, especially four days out of five, he should be starting at second base, at least. So, I'm with you. I, I I'm with see, you now. 
when Biggio comes back, I really don't know where he fits into it, uh, unless it's he's the DH. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't see it happening. He's he's going to be the guy who's going to be able to go out to to the left or right or to the right field probably to give to get Tapia out of there or to say give Guriel a DH day when they want to put Tapia in left or they want to put Tapia in center and give Springer a DH day. Cavan's going to play a lot of games too, but he's going to be the rotator. He'll he play the, second base yeah, on like he, rare Espinal off days. He'll play outfield too. And maybe he even needs first as base. many at bats as we can give him though, because it's the only way yeah. he'll improve. And that's the yeah. problem is like he was so fucking cold to start the year. That's uh, right. And now he's coming back, and it's like, where do you put him? Well, and we saw too that they they put him at first base a couple times too to give Laddie a DH day, right? He's he's got that utility that that nobody else on the roster has as much of. That's and that's his saving grace in terms of the getting at bats is that they can pretty much plug him in everywhere and know that it's likely not going to cost them the game defensively except for third base. But don't put him there anymore. Who do you think is the most unmovable person in this lineup? Is it Teoscar Hernandez? Is he just... In terms of, like, batting order spot? Yeah. Springer. Mm. Because we saw Bo hit a cleanup last year. Springer was... Every time Springer was healthy, except for maybe, like, two games when he first came back, they put him... Okay. He was leading off. He is a leadoff hitter. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say it's him. Teoscar Hernandez is a close second, though. I just think he's so unmovable as the cleanup because he just has so much upside in contact and uh, in or in average as well as power. Sure. You want him to be driving in those runs. Yeah. It's re- it's also frustrating uh, that he is performing so well and they have yet to sign him to an extension. He has mm-hmm. one more arbitration year. And then he's a UFA at 31. And it's like, do you go in on him now? Like, I mean, they've already waited two years too long, in my opinion, for this. They could assign him to a good extension after 2020. That wouldn't have cost him a fortune. But his salary has gone up $4 million in 2021 yeah. and another $6 million after that in 2022. He's earning $10 million this year. Right. If he's silver slugger again this year it's just going to keep going up and up and up and you're not going to be able to afford to keep him so like it's frustrating like what do you do with tasker and Endes in the future yeah i don't know there's definitely a risk that they lose him in, in free agency um if he goes out and gets paid i i hate to say this but good I for him he's, he's good for him but i think he's also one of the more replaceable bats yeah, and again, it's going to depend what he does the rest of the season. It's going to dictate yeah. what he can sign for. Um, if he has a year remotely close to what he's done the last two, obviously winning two Silver Sluggers in a row, he's going to get paid, and he's going to deserve to get it. So I hope he, I hope hope he does well. Us, yeah, me too. But I also hope it's like only five years because he's already 30. He'll be 31 <laughs> when it comes, and you don't want yeah. to lock up. You don't want to be paying someone... Uh, like twenty million dollars when you're thirty-seven years Absolutely. old. Absolutely, yeah. You don't want to get Miguel Cabrera into like a <laughs> Albert Pujols. Yeah, but and don't get me wrong, I love both those guys. Yes, but... they're overpaid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they Final earned thoughts? that by being elite for the first ten years of their careers. So. Yep. Final thoughts, though. Uh, final thoughts. This weekend's going to be interesting. It's it's a it's always been a tough place for the Blue Jays to play. Um, the Trop is a weird place full of empty seats and echoes. 
because there are no fans. Um, yeah, but but I'm 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 looking for signs of life from this offense. I'd like to see them average more than three runs a game, which would be great because that's what they've been doing lately. Um, it'd be nice for just a just a laugher in favor of the Blue Jays, where they just jump on a pitcher and just ambush somebody. I want them to just string like four, five, six base runners in a row together, whether it's walks, hits, hit by pitches, I don't care. Bunt for singles, but just like do something to move the lineup and put a big number on a scoreboard in an inning. I'm going to make a very, very specific prediction. Okay. In that we will score six runs off of Ryan Yarbrough before he is uh, yanked from the game. I think he is the guy, and I. It's very possible he, we could go out there and he could end up getting like five strikeouts, scoreless innings on us, because he's such an effective pitcher. But I think his stuff. I don't know. It doesn't. It hasn't looked that great so far this year. I know it's early. Blah blah blah. But <laughs> at the same time, out of the three uh, Rays pitchers, I think he is the one that this lineup could really turn on. Agreed. I think but, the same is also true, though, for Juan Jin Ryu and the Rays. So, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. Uh, we haven't seen the Rays yet this year, and obviously their new look, they don't have Austin Meadows anymore because he's in Detroit now. But they've got oh. a full season of Wander Franco, which is which is fun to watch because he's such a talent. But we'll, uh, we'll get to see the Rays for the first time tomorrow. Um, you can find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Again, DM or tweet us questions or topics for the show. We're always happy to take suggestions. We're on Anchor. Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all episodes at bfmdpodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to the episode. Please leave us a review or star rating to help more people find us. For Patrick out in Halifax, it's Justin here in Saskatoon. We'll see you next time.